there was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. Many of them said, He hath a devil. He's mad. Why do you hear him? Others said, He said not the words of him that hath a devil. And a devil opened the eyes of the blind. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said to him, How long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. No one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Thank you for being here with us on the Unchanging Word Bible Study. We are studying in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Although Jesus had been speaking to the Jewish leaders, they were divided in opinion about who Jesus was because of his words. They had doubts about Jesus being the Messiah. In the verses we cover today, we see Jesus as the faithful shepherd whose sheep hear his voice and follow him, to whom also he gives eternal life so that they will never, ever perish forever. The Son of God who has been physically raised from the dead is the one person who can be trusted for the security of one's eternal salvation. He is now alive, praying for us, we who have believed in him, that our faith may not fail. Now this is eternal security, is it not? Well, here is Dr. Mitchell, John chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. It is our joy and privilege to come to you again. And I would like to take the opportunity of reviewing some of the truths so that as we pick up the connection today, those of you who are listening in possibly for the first time or you've missed two or three sessions, you might keep in, 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 in step with us as we seek to give forth the truth and communicate the wonderful, wonderful truth concerning our precious Savior. You remember in chapter 8, which starts with the Jews wanting, that is, the Jewish leaders wanting to stone a sinful woman. And the chapter ends with them wanting to stone the sinless one, the El Shaddai, the eternal God. 
And in chapter 9, we have the illustration of the truth in chapter 8. What our Lord is revealed in chapter 8 as the light of the world. He's the great deliverer from death, the deliverer from sin, from slavery. He's the sinless one and is worthy of worship. So when you come to chapter 9, we have a man born blind having his eyes open. He's translated out of, the, out of darkness into light, out of slavery into freedom. And he's brought face to face with the Savior. As our Lord passes through the midst of these people who wanted to stone him, he finds this one who, may I say, is one of his sheep. So that when we come to chapter 10, which is a chapter concerning our Lord as the shepherd of his people, I can't help but, but remind you of this wonderful fact that our God is revealed to us as the one who shepherds his people. He is not only the good shepherd who died for us, but he's also the great shepherd who cares for us. And he's the chief shepherd who guides and directs the under-shepherds and will reward them at his return. I would suggest again for your study the 22nd, 22nd, 23rd, 24th Psalm. In 22, he's the good shepherd who died for us. In 23, he's the great shepherd who cares for us. In 24, he's the chief shepherd who's going to come and reward his own. You find these, of course, in the New Testament. In John chapter 10, verse 9, our Lord is the good shepherd, comparable to the 22nd Psalm. He gave his life for the sheep. And then he is the great shepherd in the 23rd Psalm, comparable to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. That great shepherd of the sheep is going to perfect his people. And then he's the chief shepherd who guides and directs and leads his under-shepherds. I suggest two passages, John chapter 21, where our Lord exhorted Peter, and I'm sure the disciples and us too, to feed the lambs, to shepherd the sheep, and to feed the sheep. Or you find it in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 4 on, where he speaks of the fact that when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory which fadeth not away. Now, in this 10th chapter, we have already found that our Lord is the true shepherd in contrast to false shepherds in the first six verses. And then we found him as the good shepherd. What God is doing now, he's, he's, gathering, he's gathering a flock. But they must be delivered from sin. So the good shepherd gave his life that men and women might be saved. And then you have him as the um, as the only shepherd. The rest are just wolves. Or should I say they're, uh, they're hirelings. And when the wolves come, they scatter the sheep and flyeth. He's the only shepherd. He's the only one who cares for the flock. Uh, these false teachers and false prophets have no love for the people of God. They have no concern for them. Just like you have in, the, in this chapter for, or in this book of John in chapter 5, Pharisees would rather have seen that man stay uh, in his condition, 38 years infirmed, than to see him healed on the Sabbath day. And they would rather see the man stay in his blindness than have him healed on the Sabbath day. And by the way, that's so now. False teachers, false prophets have no love, no affection, no devotion, no concern for the people of God. But our Lord knows his own sheep. He knows them by name. And he loves his sheep in contrast to these false shepherds. Now, in, 
in verses 7 to 18, we had him as the obedient shepherd. He was obedient even unto death. Remember this, he was obedient even unto death. We find that, of course, in Philippians chapter 2 and other portions of Scripture. In fact, mark the stupendous statement our Lord made when he said, No man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And again, I make the statement that the death of our Savior was natural in that he died because of sin. Not his own sin, for we read in chapter 8, 46, he was sinless. But he died for your sin and my sin. And thus, because he bore your sin and my sin, because he took your place and my place, death had to come in. So he died, in that sense, a natural death because of sin. But his death also was a supernatural death because he was the one who was able to lay down his life for us of his own volition. No man could take his life from him. I have power to lay it down. It was a willing sacrifice. I have power to take it again. In other words, this was in perfect accord with his father's will. So we find him as the obedient shepherd, even unto death. Now from verses 19 to 30, we follow through our present day study. He's the faithful shepherd. And as the faithful shepherd, he keeps us and he cares for us, for not only for time, but forever. Now, Mark again, starting in at verse 19. Mark all the interruptions that these Jews give to our Savior. There was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. What sayings? Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This is the commandment I have received of my Father. I'm obedient to my Father. And at the right time, I'm going to lay down my life. And By the way, he's always on time. He's always on time. That's why the, uh, the Roman soldiers were amazed when they came to Jesus at the cross and they found him dead already. Our Lord, you remember, cried out. I may quote chapter 19. He cried out, it is finished. Mission accomplished. Bowed his head. Yielded up the spirit. You can't do that. I can't do that. His death in that sense was supernatural. Now making these statements caused a division among the Jews. Allow me to read now from verse 19. There was a division therefore again among the Jews for these sayings. Many of them said, He hath a devil. He's mad. Why do you hear him? Others said, He said not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said to him, How long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, you know, they're just, they're, just trying to, they're just trying to look for something for themselves. Because here's the challenge in verses 22 to 24, at the Feast of Dedication, it was called sometimes the Feast of Lights. It comes in the month of December, uh, possibly three months after the Feast of Tabernacles. Now come on out and tell us, how long do you make us to doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. You know, 
As you read this, you begin to wonder about these fellows. You begin to wonder about these enemies of Christ. Of all the evidence uh, that is presented to them, what more do they want? They've seen the spectacular. Uh, possibly they were among those who were hungry and were fed by him. Uh, they've seen him heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind, feed the hungry. What more do they want? It's just like people today. I remember a woman telling me one time when I prayed for her baby, she said, Mr. Mitchell, if God heals my baby, I'll believe. Now, I questioned that very much, but nevertheless, I picked up her baby and prayed for her baby. And the Lord was very gracious. It was in the middle of the night, and in the midst of the flu epidemic some years ago, when people were dying, just dying all around. And by morning, the fever was broken. There were no doctors, no nurses. We couldn't find them. And when I said to her, now, your baby is past the danger line. Your baby is sleeping. The fever is gone. The Lord has certainly met your need and answered our prayer. Oh, I said, now, will you put your trust in the Savior? She said, oh, I thought Jesus would do it in a moment of time. She just begged the issue. She dodged the issue. As far as I know, she never did accept the Savior. Just like these Jews here, all the evidence, the credentials of our Savior had been presented. And so they said, how long do you make us to doubt? You know, when a person is full of unbelief and whose heart and mind is shut to truth, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to accept it. I tell you again, my friend, Unbelief in the Son of God is a terrible, terrible thing. In fact, it means one's eternal destiny. Our Lord, I say, had presented his credentials. They had heard his gracious words. Uh, the officers of the temple said, Never man spake like this man. And before their eyes was this man who was born blind. Here's the man who was healed 38 years infirmed. They had seen, they had heard, and still they said, we're full of doubts. If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Now the Lord's answer, 25 to 30. And I want you to mark the strong language that our Savior used. He gave them far more than they expected. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Again, we come back to it. These works were his credentials that he was from the Father. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Now remember, they'd asked the question, if you're really the Christ, tell us plainly. And he comes out with this very, very strong language. And when he gets through, they pick up stones to kill him. You see, why didn't they believe? Because their hearts were close to him. They didn't want him. 
They just didn't want him. Everything he said, everything he did was contrary to what they wanted. They were, they were not fair. They were not true. Like a lot of folk today. They say a great deal about being religious or possibly even knowing God, but their hearts are far away from God. And when you approach them on the question of their relationship to the Savior, they alibi their condition. That's what happens here. Tell us plainly, what else could the Lord say? What has he done? But now, mark you, his words are very, very strong. He picks up that challenge and he says, you're not my sheep. You've refused my words. You've rejected my person. You've seen my works. What more do you want? And your unbelief is a sign that you do not belong to the flock. Your unbelief is a sign that you're not my sheep. The evidence of being the sheep of God, the sheep of his pasture is, as he says here, my sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The evidence of belonging to God's flock, the evidence of belonging to the Savior is following him. They follow me, said Jesus. And they know my voice. And then mark the tremendous strong language in 28 to 30. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall in no wise under any consideration perish. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to plunder them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I say, look at the strong language. When you come to John 17, 11, for example, our Lord said, Father, the ones you've given to me I have kept, and none of them is lost, say the son of perdition. Now, Father, you keep them. You keep them the rest of the way. I say this very reverently. I'm talking about God's real sheep, those who are really trusting the Savior. You may not know much about doctrine, but as far as you know, you're trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. I say this reverently, God himself makes himself responsible to care for every one of those who come to him through Jesus Christ. Father, said Jesus, I have kept these men thus far. Now you keep them the rest of the way. That's what Paul means in 2 Timothy 1.12. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Or Philippians 1, 6, where Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Or in John 13, 1, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Or you take Romans chapter 8, 38, to the, 38 and 39, the last two verses of the chapter. I am persuaded, says Paul, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, nothing in God's universe can keep us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's what uh, Ecclesiastes 3.14 says. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. You can't add to it. 
When God does it, you can't add to it. He does a perfect work, and you can't take anything from it. And God does it, that you might put your trust in him. This salvation we have starts with God, is continued by God, is going to be completed by God. I just love those verses. You remember when Moses, in the 33rd chapter of Deuteronomy, uh, verse 27 comes to mind, where he says, Underneath are the everlasting arms. Listen to his gracious words. My sheep, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. <laughs> I'm sure glad he knows them. And they follow me. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. That's in Second Timothy chapter 2. See, friend. See, when one puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of his people, the one who is the good shepherd, the true shepherd, the only shepherd, the obedient shepherd, when one puts their trust in him as their savior, as their Lord, he makes himself responsible for you, for me. He'll even arrange our circumstances. But Mr. Mitchell, I, I, I get down, I get discouraged, I get disheartened. I'm full of doubts. Well, you know, there's one comfort about that. The unsaved man has nothing to doubt. He doesn't doubt at all. The very fact you have doubts concerning your relationship to the Savior, if, as far as you know, you've put your trust in the Lord. This is just one of Satan's great, great tools to, to rob you of peace, the enjoyment of peace with God. So I just come to you again. My sheep hear my voice. You don't, said Jesus to these Jews, you're not my sheep. Your unbelief, your opposition to me, the refusal to accept the credentials I've offered, the very evidence of my person, of who I am and what I am. I've talked to you chapter after chapter about my father, about the fact that I do what my father wants me to do. I say what my father wants me to say. I'm in perfect submission to my father. And these miracles, these signs, my credentials that I am from my father. But you're full of unbelief, and you're full of hatred and envy and jealousy. You hate me without a cause. That's because you're not my sheep. The evidence, I repeat it, the evidence of being one of his sheep is that you follow him. And the marvelous thing he gives to every believer, eternal life. And they shall know in no wise under any consideration. And may I say, my friend, in that, in that uh, verse 28, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. I wish I could put that in the English language the way it really, what the Lord really said. They shall never, never, under any consideration, perish. You remember that, that verse in uh, Hebrews 13, 5, 6. As it is written, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Do you ever realize that there are five negatives in that verse? They will never, 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 never leave you. That's strong language. But this, this word here is even stronger yet. They shall in no wise under any consideration perish. Why? Why? Because they're in my Father's hands. And my Father is greater than all. And having put, having put us in his Father's hands, he guarantees Father will keep us. As we sometimes sing, 
He puts us in his hands and he covers us there with his hand. In the hands of an almighty, sovereign, eternal God who loves you with an everlasting love, he loves you clean through to the end. My friend, don't you want a Savior like that? That's the only kind of a Savior God has for us. I'm telling you, my friend, this is God's word to you. Thank God you can be saved. You can become a sheep and manifest it by following him. Put your trust in the Savior today. I guarantee to you, he will give you not only eternal life as a free gift, but he guarantees it is eternal. And you'll never, never, under any consideration, perish. All he wants is to have you come and accept him as your Savior. You do that today, and the Lord bless you. Could not hold him Now life has a goal Jesus is coming We all will be whole The life that he gives us So rich and so free Will go on forever Eternally Praise to the sun. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.